0: And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Welcome to episode 16 of Down on the Docks. My name is Chris Neff.
1: I'm joined today by the zinger slinger, Dave Sarah. How are you, buddy? Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, there you Good. go. Uh, I wasn't slinging too much at the Comedy Chateau last night.
0: Well, that's why we don't get into personal stories around right here. We go right <laughs> well, into We do the... 10
1: minutes of personal stories up front. You know, that's my pet peeve. Uh, oh, those man.
0: listening will we'll understand where I'm coming from. Uh, we were talking about this today. There's nothing worse than a podcast that decides to talk about 15 minutes of what happened this week or what's going on in the news before they get to their podcast. But we don't do that right no, here,
1: Dave, because we got documentaries to cover.
0: We got docs to cover, and we get in them from the top down, deep, ready to go, guys. If you're a fan of the show. Uh, please do take the time and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Apparently, that's where all the action is. We don't know why it works that way, but that's the way it works. Uh, and of course, if you have time, uh, not only hit the five stars, but leave us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, we love hearing it and we love reviewing them. Um, and more importantly, not just there, you can get us on Twitter at uh, Down on the Docs Pod, on Instagram at Down on the Docs Pod. So all the way. Uh, uh, if you're a, a longtime listener, you know, we do trending documentaries. Uh, we do uh, listener requested and uh, we do uh, personal. Famous. Whatever. My point is this. Sometimes you do them for yourself and this yeah. one's for me.
1: Is it? I, I, you've been talking about it all week. I Here's the thing. You have a lot of pages of the notes there.
0: First time I saw this documentary, I remember tweeting out, is there anyone in this entire fucking documentary? That isn't completely
1: blown the fuck out. <laughs> um, uh, their head or their asshole. Any, any, any part. All parts. They're just insane. They're like a squeaky toy where you squeeze it and the eyes pop out. You're, you
0: just watch this thing and you're like, this isn't real, man. How Crazy. the fuck is this going on?
1: I mean, I'm coming in completely blind, so I well, love it.
0: It's personal to me as well because it took place in Pocatello, Idaho. I am from Idaho. I grew up in Boise. And my parents, my grandparents actually met in Pocatello, Idaho. Wow. And they're
1: actually... Generations of Pocatonians.
0: Pocatellians. Who knows (laughs) what they're called? Uh, But they're actually buried there as well. Oh. So I'm going to get right into it. Um, This doc came out in 2017 on Netflix. Uh, It's called Abducted in Plain Sight. Oh, shit. Yeah. Directed by Sky Borgman. So we're going to get into it. This thing starts out and over like a Super 8 home movie... Uh, We see a young girl marching in a small town parade, and we hear a voice by the name of Robert Birchtold. Okay. 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 I'm he gonna says, start writing these
1: names down. I have I've heard. You only need to remember like five. Robert. What does Robert Birchholdt look like?
0: Uh, he's you know an everyman. He look. You know what he looks like? What? An eighth
1: grade math teacher. Oh shit. Yep. Hopefully not my eighth grade math teacher, Mr. Gordon, who had a uh, protruding belly button. Which my is eight, very
0: my odd. eighth grade math teacher was my driver's ed teacher, and then when I got out of school, I found out that he was a diddler. Oh, no. So this kind of fits the profile. I might be
1: foreshadowing. Like when you head. got out of school one day, you found out he was a diddler? Or no, got out it was out a, of couple years, oh, okay. a couple years later. Ah,
0: so anyway, Robert Birchold, this is the man, and he speaks over this 8 millimeter video, and he says, she was such a beautiful girl. Oh, my gosh. Very bright and very lively. She smiled brightly at me. I know exactly what this guy looks like now. Yeah. He's got the glasses, uh, the pocket protector. The,
1: do they transition the glasses?
0: Not yet. Oh, fuck. They didn't have them back then. Damn it. And as she smiled, there were definite dimples in both cheeks. My heart went out to her. Oh. I walked, walked up to her, put my arm around her, and drew her close to me. <sighs> and then I held her tight. Oh, she looked up at me, her eyes beaming, and I knew that I had found... The little girl oh. that I was searching
1: for—creepy, oh. right this at the is, top. Come on, dude, this is too much this for me. This is how you start it. Holy shit! So the
0: titles come up. We see it's abducted in plain sight, and through more home movies, we see the girl, and her name's Jan, and she's happy. She's nine years old. Fuck me, dude.
1: We meet her. Okay, <laughs> you're
0: it. You're, you're
1: making it too real right now. Well, that's what I do. Yeah.
0: So next, we meet Jan's father, Bob. Okay, he says. Jan had probably the most effluent personality of any child I'd ever known. She was just so outgoing. She was our first and she was a firecracker. Now we also meet her sister Karen. Karen says Jan was kind of my champion. She was a shy uh, excuse me, I was the shy girl and she was not. Next we meet Jan. According to Jan, her earliest childhood memories were of her two sisters Karen and Susan. So Karen and Susan are the younger sisters. And Karen's a middle child, Susan's a baby, and she describes herself as the big sister, uh-huh. the bossy one. Yeah. So uh, next we meet her mother, Marianne. Marianne's going to be a big part of this story. <laughs> okay. So Marianne Broberg says, you know, we were from Pocatello, Idaho. We grew up in that type of neighborhood that you never locked your doors. By the way, this drives me crazy. It's such a cliche. Where do you not lock your doors in this day and age? Do people really do that? I mean, we kind of don't. Well, I've only lived in not, really at, New at York night, City. At night, we know we
1: lock them. No, My no, My brother no. and I. They're probably.
0: locked all the time when yeah. I'm home. Yeah. Okay, there's no like, oh, I'm going to go shower for 20 minutes and leave the door unlocked. Yeah. You know what I mean? I see. So anyway, they grew up in that stereotypical never lock your doors. She says they were always open. You could trust everyone in the neighborhood. Um Jan says her mom and dad were very traditional, just really sweet parents. Um, Her mom was home all the time. She recalls coming home every day after school and mom's ironing. And her father, Bob, was a florist uh, for 40 years. And she says she was completely loved. She was secure. She says, I mean, we were listened to. And I think that was crucial for all of us surviving what we did. Hmm. So Marianne, met Bob Birchtold in June of 1972. She was a chorister at uh, the church and was leading the music one Sunday and looked down and saw a family that she didn't know. Bob describes the initial meeting as this. Ann had met them first, and she said, I met the nicest family. They have five children, and some of them uh, were the age of our daughters, and she was telling me all about them and how affable and how friendly he was. He had an effervescent, wonderful personality. We became great friends. He was a business owner. I was a business owner. I had a family. He had a family. And one of the first things that he remembers is we came home from church, and Bob found this beautiful fruit basket. Wow. There was a little card in it. Oh! And it said, we sure enjoy your family, oh. the Birchtolds. Bob says, I was personally thrilled. I thought, my
1: word. This is a pretty sharp guy. Wow, the fruit yeah. basket. Yeah, the fruit basket got really got this Idahodian
0: Yeah, I mean, w- w- can you imagine if he would have left like a box of cho- chocolates or a Whitman yeah. sampler? Yeah.
1: Uh, guy probably would have
0: jizzed in his pants right there. <laughs> shrimp, shrimp, uh, shrimp cocktail. Yeah, I just like the way
1: he says he was a sharp guy for leaving me that fruit basket. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, what is uh, what is uh, this lady? What's the lady's name again? Marianne. Marianne. What does Marianne look like?
0: She's just regular homemaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know nothing. Wears long dresses. Yeah, housecoats, shit like that. Yep. Does everything for the family while Bob's, you know, making bouquets for funerals and shit around town. So anyway, uh, Marianne says her first impression of of Bob Birchold is when you know he she met the wife Gail and she was like these two don't match they're too far apart so nonetheless they become great friends um so the family connects so much that they're doing like you know family vacations they're they're doing family out you know going or events all the time and you know the younger sister, Susan, says, Birchhold would just pick us up one morning and we'd get in the car and we would all shout together, it's going to be a great day. And that's how we'd start our mornings, you know, with the neighbor. So according to Jan, she says she can't remember how it started, but they all started referring to him as B.
1: That's what he wanted to go by. Oh, instead of Bob. Yeah. Call B. me B. Call me B. Hey, B. So, hey, <laughs> B. Hey, B.
0: she says the sister Karen says he was just like a second dad you know he was like a a fun uh, extra dad but she says he definitely had his intentions on Jan okay Jan is how old Jan uh, I'm guessing at this point she's maybe eight or nine fuck me dude yeah Jesus Christ she says brother B used to call me all kinds of names but the one that really stuck was Dolly Ah, yep. So we hear a recording, a tape recording of B. He says, A splattering of clouds were set on fire by the rays of the setting sun. I looked at my dolly. Her face was aglow. She reached out and took my hand and then said, I love (laughs) you. I've returned. I love you too, beautiful. You look a lot like Jimmy Carrey when you do that. I feel worse. I love ya. You know, I, I feel more like a, a creep. Yeah, well. He says, I turned to her, put my arms around her, and pulled her close to me and said, Oh, Dolly, you brought a special light into my life. I love you more than words can tell. She looked at me. I bent over, and we kissed. No man could love
1: any woman more
0: so at this point you really get the sense this guy's a
1: pedophile poet okay uh, yeah uh, he's been thinking about this a lot it seems like right
0: but uh
1: like you know he's really thought of the words
0: yeah yeah he's put his time in so then they show like family pictures and we're assuming that B took them of Jan and like I said she's like eight or nine and they're not like, hey, we're on the merry-go-round. No, it's no. like she's on the couch with her legs open. Oh, fuck, Yeah, dude, but it's on. not like a full shot. It's I get it. It's just like I a little it. suggestive. I, I get it. I get it. So Jesus, Mary Ann says, you know, B gave special attention to Jan, and it annoyed both her and Bob. And she says his fascination with Jan was a little disturbing. But Jan says B was like a second father to her. She completely loved him, completely trusted him, and felt extremely safe. She felt like she was one of his children. So Marianne says Birchtold had uh, called me earlier one day and said, I want to take Jan horseback riding. You know? Come on. Yeah. told yeah. <laughs> comes up and says, okay, I'm ready to take you, Jan. And Jan says, oh, yes, I want to go. And her mom was like, well, it's a school night, and you got piano, and I think we should try a different day. And B says, well, I could just pick her up from piano lessons and take her straight there. And, of course, Jan's begging and says, I want to go. And Marianne says, well, you can go, but you better be back before Bob gets home for dinner. B says, don't worry, I'll have her back. Oh, boy. So Jan is picked up from B after her piano lesson, and B says, I brought you allergy pills. Oh, boy. You know, you should take one of those before we go to the horses. So Jan says, she downed it, and off they went. I must have passed out pretty quickly because I have no relection of getting to the stables. Oh, Jesus. No relection of the drive.
1: No relection of him. Yeah. So Mary- it's a little tough to make uh, jokes about this.
0: You know what? <laughs> Go with it. I'm going to try. You, But you know what? Don't worry about that. Yeah. Marianne starts getting nervous. Now, she doesn't come home. She thinks that, well, maybe the car broke down. And it gets to be late. It's like 9 o'clock. And Birchhold's wife, Gail, comes over because she's worried too. She's like, where's my bee?" Yeah, And Marianne said, well, Gail, maybe we should call the state police. And Gail says, oh, don't do anything. I'm sure it'll be coming in any minute. So they waited. This was a Thursday. Mm -hmm. And then Friday comes. Still no sign. Wow, okay. But Marianne says they didn't want to call the police because she didn't want to upset Gail.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if this this isn't Gail's first rodeo either. That's kind of what I was thinking when I'm watching this.
0: I'm like, is this a combo? Are they a team? So Bob says, this went on for two more days.
1: Oh, come on. Yeah.
0: And then he said, Marianne, we better get the law involved. Yeah. So we can, we need some help.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean. (laughs) So
0: on Saturday morning, Marianne calls the FBI. She says, That uh, when she called the office, she got uh, an outgoing message. Like, uh, we're closer the weekend. Oh, shit. (laughs) So it says, the message says, if you have an emergency, uh, call this office at Butte, Montana. And she says, I didn't follow through, though, because I didn't want to get all these
1: people all worked up over nothing. Oh, boy. (laughs) Like your child missing. (laughs) Your
0: child missing's nothing. So she says, we waited. And then another night came and went. And now it's Sunday. And she says... Well, let's just eh, wait until morning. If they're not back by Sunday, then we'll call. Yeah, it's like no biggie. It's just one daughter. You know, you got two more. Yeah. You know, so October 22nd, 1974, we're introduced to FBI special agent Pete Welsh. He says, I got the call in my FBI office in Pocatello, Idaho. I've been an agent for six or seven years. When this kidnapping took place, my partner and I left the office right away. Went over to the Broberg's house, and we talked to them for several hours. Robert Birch told, uh, was a close friend of theirs, the neighbor. He was a Pocatello businessman, a, a member of their LDS faith, and a pillar in the community. He had a lot of friends. They didn't suspect any type of foul play, even though it was five days. Now, here's my question. Five days— what, what's the cutoff date when you start thinking it's foul play?
1: Oh, I mean, within an hour of the curfew with a nine-year-old girl. I would assume so, right? I mean, like, within you the di- hour. You ring the dinner bell,
0: and if nobody comes, <laughs> yeah. you start searching the streets. Well, Mary Ann's confident. She says, I don't think he kidnapped her. He's just gone someplace with her, which I would assume is technically kidnapping. Kidnapping, yes. Yeah. S- sounds legit. Yeah, and, you know, she says Pete had to drill it into our minds. He kidnapped her. She's your daughter and she's gone. So Welsh goes over to interview Gail and was told that they had a motorhome in a storage unit. So being the detective he is, he goes out to the storage unit and can't find the motorhome. So he realizes the FBI was going to have to conduct a thorough investigation to locate her because he believes at this point there's no doubt in his mind she's been kidnapped. So all of a sudden there's a, a, a police break in the case, and there's an abandoned Ford vehicle found, and it matches Bob's car. And the keys were inside the vehicle. The side door on the driver's side was broken out, and there was a small amount of blood on the inside of the driver's door. Mm. Okay. So Welsh says the window was broken out from the inside out. So if somebody had reached in there to get them, you know, they'd have an excuse that somebody kidnapped him. That's his theory. There's a lot of blood. You know, he says they found tire tracks and they were uh, uh, motorhome tire tracks. There were bigger (laughs) wheels. And then they found one set of footprints, which led him to believe that Bob carried Jan and put her in the motorhome outside of that car. Mm -hmm. So he says, we knew Bob had Jan, but we didn't know where they were. And this, the search goes nationwide at this point. So they sent out APBs to all law enforcement throughout the country. Mexico and Canada border security, they're involved. And this goes on for weeks. Now, Susan recalls that one day she walked into the house. Jan's bedroom was in the back of the house. Which one's Susan? That's the youngest daughter. Okay. Now, she walked in and she found her dad, Bob, laying on Jan's bed, sobbing. Sobbing. So Marianne says for those first three weeks, there were so many people that came by, friends and neighbors, and everyone in the neighborhood, you know, just supporting them at all times. So nobody can believe this. They'd seen Bob. They had talked to Bob. He was part of their lives too. Some said he would never hurt her. And Marianne says she believed that. And, you know, they love the community that they're a part of because everyone's trying to get us through it. They love Jan. So... We just kept saying, she'll be back. So Welsh finds out through his investigation that this isn't Bob's first rodeo. Yep. Okay. Bob had a previous infatuation with many young girls. Ugh. So this is weird. We meet B's Joe, uh, b- brother, Joe. He says the following. My brother
1: was always a sexual pervert. Oh, fuck. It's not a good... It's not a good... uh, it's not a good, uh, uh, uh Intro? Uh, uh, Yeah, intro. I'm trying to think of the words. Yeah, He says, he always did
0: like his little girls. Oh, God. I guess he had a need to fulfill as a pedophile, because he was a pedophile, and I knew that. Fuck me. One time, Mom and Dad went somewhere. My brother started messing with my sister, but see, they weren't half brother and sister. She'd have been six, and he'd have been 12 or 13. So this guy's just really like, you know, hey, my brother's a pedophile. Yeah, You know? You got to, you got to understand what you're up against. Right. So Welsh says, this was the first pedophile case he's ever run across. And he says, we couldn't even comprehend it at first. So apparently okay. back then the FBI, he says, you know, they taught us stranger danger, but we never call them pedophiles. I thought that was interesting. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So stranger danger. Yeah. He says, I'm sure it was in the dictionary someplace. Uh, but now I'm hearing these things about Bob loving little kids and he says, all these things are making my skin crawl. Uh, they found out that Bob had tried to get two other girls in Pocatello, Idaho, before their parents cut him off. So he had oh, a pattern shit. of behavior doing this.
1: Like, were they moving also? Or just, they, no. just, they just lived in that same spot? The Small time. town. Yeah.
0: And I'm guessing there's maybe 20,000 people in the town at this yeah. time. Maybe 30. It can't be that big. So Bert Schold and the Brobergs, they become friends. Bob gains their trust, and that was just the way Bob wanted it. So part of his behavior pattern is destroying everything that's in his way to the girl to get to Jan. So his his MO is separate the family, you know, from the girl. So Jan lived downstairs in the basement with her sister Susan, and they had it like uh, uh, they shared a bedroom. Okay. And Bert, according to Jan, Burchold says, you know what, you girls need your own realm. You know what I mean? So he comes in and puts a divider up huh. in there. And I'm thinking, like, where's dad? Yeah. He's just like, oh, Bob's down there, you know, creating a, a half bedroom for the girls. It's fucking weird. So that's that's how we weaseled his way in. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's like, look, if I'm going to diddle Jan,
1: I'm going to need some <laughs> privacy. Well put, the- <laughs> might, yeah. Might, might as well put up a, a, divider, <laughs> a divider. And they like, like, oh, girl's going to the other side for a couple hours. I'll yeah. Like- Ugh, so
0: so dirty. According to Jan, they did sleepovers all the time at the Birchhold's house. She said they had a uh, huge trampoline in the back. They'd all sleep under the stars on the trampoline, and one night she remembers waking up and being aware that her panties were down her ankle. Oh, yeah. And she's scared. So Birchhold was lying next to her, and she says he had or she had, she says he had his hands around her. Yeah. And he was like, oh, your panties are down because you were just tossing and turning all night. Uh. And you must have just accidentally taken them down. And she said, I felt like it was plausible, you know, because there's no way this guy could have done anything to me. So June of 73, Jan goes on vacation with the Bircholds to Seattle. So Karen, her younger sister, says when they get back, she tells this story about, you know, uh, how Bob said they're all out at dinner And Jan began rocking back and forth. And Bob had to just take her out uh, and put her into another room because he said there's something wrong with this child, which is me assuming that he hadn't mastered the dosage yet of the allergy pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he almost OD'd her. Oh, shit. So Jan says she recalls being carried into the motel and feeling groggy and going out in and out of consciousness. Oh, shit. Now, Karen says that Jan... Also said when she woke up, she saw Bob naked in front uh, of her. Man. Yep. According to Welsh, Jan and Bob Birchtold had an unusual relationship as well. So Birchhold targeted Jan, and he knew that he had to destroy Marianne and Bob to get to Jan. And they fell right into the trap. He said it was like going into a mouse trap. They never saw it coming. So flashback to fall 1972, two years before the kidnapping. Marianne gets a phone call from Birchtold. Now, uh, Birchtold had a furniture store in town. And he says, Marianne, I can't get out for lunch. Why don't you bring me down a sandwich? And she says, okay. And she started doing that. She started taking lunches down on occasions when he called. She, you know, says he's the new face in town. I gotta help him out. He had great personality, charisma, also something that her husband Bob did not have. Ah, yeah, kind of a little shot.
1: Yeah, a little shot there, big deal, Bob. Yeah, my Bob, my, my, at least he wasn't a diddler. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he doesn't have that charisma because he's not uh, fucking kids. Yeah, exactly. So doesn't need it. Sorry, (laughs) He's just fucking men. I mean, women. We'll get there. Oh, so
0: Birchhold begins saying the things to her that excited her and turned her on. Ah, uh, yep. He says, Marianne, you have a beautiful body uh, and those legs, you my know? god. And she this... says, I felt this fluttering inside of me. Uh, he could make me a great, great feeling about myself. I was attracted to him, and that's when it began. And I tried to ignore it but I remember the way it made me feel and thought, oh my, I can't feel this way about him. She says, I think the thing that solidified it was when we went to a church function in Logan, Utah. While we were there, we took a ride up in the mountains. Before we left, we got a little too cozy, started to kiss, kissing and hugging, And he touched my breasts, and things got a little carried away. He touched my breasts. Keep in mind, this is Marianne, Mormon mom, mother of three. Milky White. Bob the Florist is her husband. Perfect little world. Bob the Florist. She says, I stayed there longer than I should have, but nothing beyond that. Went back home and tried to be calm and get back to our lives. I thought about it every day, a lot. I thought about that feeling and that touch. I'd been married for twelve or thirteen years by then, and it was an excitement. Wow, an excitement for me. Love men. it, love this woman. So Bob, he gets a ve- uh, a meeting for Birchtold. Oh, so told, you know, he he calls Birch or he refers to Birchtold and said he was very knowledgeable in the sexual field.
1: Oh, that's how <laughs> that's how Bob explained. Bob
0: it? Bob's describing Berchtold.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like was very knowledgeable in the sexual in the field. sexual field. Interesting.
0: But he did not have a good relationship with his wife sexually.
1: Uh. So one day he came into the store. But like, how does he know that after the fact? He knows. Apparently, that?
0: they talk shop, and you know the okay. rectory. I see. Yeah. Or the checking the f- pipes, or wherever they hang out. Yeah. So one day he comes into the store, and he says, "I could tell that he was extremely disturbed." And he says, "Are you free? Let's go for a ride." Oh. He says, Here, take this allergy medicine." <laughs> <laughs> Is that a sniffle, Bob? <laughs> he says, I cannot stand my wife, and I need to have sex.
1: Sorry.
0: So Bob says, I could see that he was getting sexually aroused. Now, they're in a car. He says, oh, could you
1: give me some relief? Ah. Uh. <laughs> he
0: says they were laughing. And he said,
1: You just broed out on him?
0: Oh, Bob. (laughs) It's just kid stuff. Uh, And I got to have relief. So Bob says, so I was dumb enough to reach over and relieve relieve
1: him. (laughs) (laughs) Milk him.
0: (laughs) In an act of masturbation. Uh, Oh, no. I did the worst thing I've ever done as far as... And he's breaking up. He's recalling, Yeah, Yeah. He's like breaking the trust and the fidelity that i had with my wife
1: <laughs> my wife this <laughs> so 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 okay the even... carjacking so this <laughs> carjack okay all right first of all yeah so so okay so we have so in the secession of uh of of him with the relationship yeah. with this family yeah it starts off with the wife no it starts off with jan jan okay jan is the youngest uh, the Oldest, Old, daughter. oldest daughter. Yeah. Okay. Not the one that's been kidnapped yet. Correct. Okay. okay. About to. But yeah. <laughs> yeah apparently. <laughs> so. But first, it's the it's the Jan. Jan. And then it's the mom. Marianne. And then now it's the dad. It's Bob. Holy! This guy yeah. did has what do they call it in baseball? A uh, 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 triple hitter? No, no, no. When triple you, header? No. When you get a um, grand it, slam? No. It, when you get a. A pickle. When, let's <laughs> shut the fuck up. When you get when you get a single, a <laughs> double, it's the cycle. It's, yeah, hit for the psych, go, Well, if he went for, for Karen cycle. and Susan, well, that's the he's cycle. Attempting, but you maybe. don't know. Maybe he will. He's, yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe he wants to capture
0: them when they're. You're right. But go on. So next, we hear an actual recording of Birch told, and he says, "I entered into a homosexual relationship with her father in order to have access to Jan. I had a fixation for Jan. I didn't know why." But I did, and I wanted to be around her. So this is the guy that literally fucked the, the dad to get to the girl. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy that's like, I'd oh, fuck him just to yeah. get to her. Yep. He'll fuck your, your dad.
1: Well, it must be that good. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, this guy must be like, yeah, I mean, he must love it like, that much. He must just, it's everything to him. It's crazy. It's fucked up.
0: I just, the, the carjacking thing is just. Yeah, carjacks is, is a little. It's deep. the way he tells the story. It's.
1: And Bob seems like a very, uti- like a you very. What's the word that I'm trying to look for like again? Moron. A moron's a good word, but yeah. a practical guy. It doesn't seem yeah. like a type of guy that would just carjack a dude.
0: Yeah, well, he got talked into this one. Fuck. So, I Welsh mean, says that's they, charisma, they man. got played perfectly. Um, he wanted to tear down the defenses of the Brobergs, he wanted to get them out of the way. And he says, it's kind of like you have dominoes. On one end is Bob, okay? The fourth is Jan, and in the middle is Marianne and Bob. And you just might as well knock those dominoes over. Uh, So once you do, you have Birchhold and Jan and no one in between. So big points for the FBI domino metaphor. Um, Now, according to the FBI, in January of 74, Birchtold was reprimanded by the High Council of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because of his involvement with another younger girl.
1: Uh, what's um, what's his role for the church?
0: Well, obviously, he's not leading the show. You know, he's just yeah. a, a parishioner. Yeah. But the Welsh explains that the LDS Church decided that they would counsel him. And he went to a counselor in Idaho Falls... And that man told the investigators that he had also gone to California to go to a clinical psychologist who would help him overcome the obsession with Jan.
1: Uh, Okay. Wow. Oh, the obsession with Jan. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. The
0: church sends him to local counseling, and then he seeks outside counseling. So this is not for like another kid. No, for 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 Jan. Wow. And now this is the point where you're like, is the story going to get fucking weirder? I mean, yeah. Well, (sighs) hold on. Huh. So Marianne says when he comes home, he tells Bob that he's been treated, uh, you know, in counseling for the abuse he suffered as a child. Right. Okay. Now he says, Bob, this is going to floor you. Uh, I had sex with an aunt when I was four years old. Ugh. And Bob says it blew my mind. And he said, Bob, part of my therapy is to just spend some time alone with your daughters.
1: <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Would you mind? uh And Bob says, "Well, no." And he said, "Bob, you can call the doctor and ask him if he if you don't understand this and you need him to explain it to you." uh, It's part of my therapy. And Bob says, "I trust you." Ah,
1: (laughs) Ah. Sounds like a California doctor.
0: So after Jan goes to bed,
1: Bob lays down with her. Okay, so Bob
0: Bob B. Burchold. Yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob, regular Bob's up to Yeah, regular Bob sleeping. Yeah, virtual. He's downstairs Again, sleeping with be, his daughter.
1: He would be no, but uh the,
0: call. But here's my point. Call the doctor. I don't call the doctor. I find the
1: doctor yeah, and kill him. Kill, <laughs> you know what I mean? Ring his neck. Yes. Yeah. Uh The so currently. Yeah. From the time that Jan has her first incident uh-huh. with Bob till where we are in the story now, yeah. how much time has passed? A couple months. Wow. Yeah. And then like when did they first how long had they known the guy? Like three years. Okay. Maybe two years? Okay. So And then well, one last question, which is yeah. roughly uh-huh. between the breast touch of the wife uh-huh. and the carjacking, uh huh, how long in between it, They that? made it
0: seem like it could be the same
1: week or month. Oh shit. Well this, this guy guy's moves a legend. Fast. This guy's a legend.
0: Yeah. So legendary. Anyway, Mary says Mary Ann says
1: neither one of us were comfortable. with this guy him. Needs to be like a negotiation, like a negotiation hostage negotiator, dude. Yeah, I mean, this is just—I can't believe he pulled this off. This is
0: crazy. But then you know you look at who he's dealing with. Yeah, dummies. So Mary Ann says neither one of us were comfortable with him doing it, but it was part of his therapy.
1: Ugh, <laughs> ugh, this is so gross.
0: <laughs> so then they play these therapy tapes that the psychologist or psychiatrist. Had made Bob play while laying down in bed with Jan. So he's playing these video, these audio tapes out loud while he's laying in bed with Jan. Jesus. And they go like this listen for the waves in the background, and she starts caressing you a little faster now. Ah. And you can feel it, and it feels so good. Ah. Feels so good. Stop it. Nah, stop it. She (laughs) caresses you very rapidly now. She's caressing you very rapidly now. And you could feel it very rapidly, and it feels good. (laughs) And you listen for the waves. (laughs) You feel the warm, soft blanket, Uh. and the blanket smells good. (laughs) That's an actual recording that he's listening to in Jan's bed with Jan, with Bob and Marianne upstairs. In the fucking
1: house. That's and this it feels and, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this guy though. Yeah. Okay, the psychiatrist that made this yeah. recording. Do we know anything about the person? You'll find out. Okay, for sure. This is not take a wild guess. It's you think fake? Yeah. do You think this is Sigmund Freud? No, this is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. He's just. It's, he needs. This is. Jack music, yeah. (laughs) This is is fucking turning him on, dude. Hey, uh, do you mind if I uh, put some Jack music on tape and uh, just basically move in and uh, sleep with your daughter? There's probably if it's part of your therapy, then yes, we care. This guy was probably like imprinted sexually with like some weird clown fucking music. It feels good. It feels good. (laughs) You feel the warm. You you feel the warm, soft blanket, and the blanket smells good. Oh my gosh! All
0: right. Well. Like we just discussed, Well says they were duped in a terrible, terrible way. <laughs> Their investigation determined dude, that, dude, duped isn't the wrong
1: word for it's too light. Hoodwinked, hoodwinked, swoggled. <laughs> the, the older you get, the more inappropriate and the, the, the less appropriate it becomes because, like, this needs like a this needs a dirty, modern, nasty word, modern word yeah. attached to it. Like, just ugh. Yep, yeah. we'll come up with that word yeah, before this be thing's f- over. Yeah.
0: So anyway, uh, their investigation determined that the guy was not a licensed psychologist and he had had his license revoked. Um, And he's the one that gave Birch told the weird tapes to play as he lay with Jan at night and he was molesting her. Uh, He would always, quote, give her vitamins and stuff for her allergies when, in fact, they determined that they were sleeping pills to make his job a lot easier. Ah, so. Bob says he never had any inkling that B had sexual designs on Jen. Uh, he says, we weren't really sure even what a child molester was. Yeah, You know, and uh, okay, this is the 70s. Okay, what child molesters
1: didn't exist in the 70s? Well, I'm sure they existed. But they just didn't call them child molesters? Yeah, I just think that there was just a different, little bit of a different culture back then. Well, People were worried about other things. See, that I don't like- buy
0: that. I I think these guys are morons. I think these two are just fucking morons. That's part of the
1: reason. They are morons, but...
0: Yeah, but I mean, come on. There's always been an Uncle Charlie. Everybody knows about Uncle Charlie. Right. It's not like people didn't know that child molesters existed, but they're saying, we didn't even know child molesters existed. So he says, I don't know how we could be so gullible when there were so many red flags, but I didn't see the red flags. Of course, a guy jacking you off in a car is not a red flag.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean... Maybe he liked it a little bit. Yeah, who knows?
0: So Welsh says he found the Brobergs to be naive. Says they didn't know things like this happened. He also adds that this was personally the most difficult case he'd ever had in his life. And I'm thinking to myself, because of child molestation or because these morons that you have to fucking deal with? I know, right? Well, according to court transcripts, Robert Birchtold slept in Jan Broberg's bed approximately four times a week for six months.
1: Oh God! They're right, just, right up until the day she was kidnapped. These people have like pioneer life energy. Like, yeah, like oh, we lost the baby to sepsis or whatever, and they just they keep moving along in the trail, yeah. Oregon Trail.
0: Yeah, but can you imagine? Like, he's living in your house. It's like, yeah. what if you get up in the middle of the night and get some uh, tea or milk, and you know, you see B hanging out, you know, in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, how's everything going down there? <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with rinks and shit. Yeah. So anyway. Um, October 17, 1974, Jan is abducted. So Jan recalls, she says I woke up, it was dark, I had the sensation that I was moving, but I was laying on a on a bed. She said my wrists and my ankles both had straps around them and I couldn't move. And then she says the monotone voice kept talking in my ear. So we hear a distorted voice and it sounds like this. Female companion what? Female companion. Oh, no. Uh, you ever see uh, Empire
1: Strikes Back? They're like, that, that droid. Female companion. Well, I, I remember the droid, but uh, I don't know which one you're... Uh,
0: it just makes me think of the one that Han Solo shot when they're out in the snow. Oh. Clear to the symptom. Clear to the symptom. You know, whatever. They talk like <laughs> that.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So Jan says... So it's a recording that he's just playing over and over again? No. Or? Oh, oh. It's a voice. Uh, he-
0: Jan says it looked like a white little intercom looking box oh, fuck. that
1: was sitting next to her pillow. Okay. Uh, on in, in are they on the? They're in the the Winnebago. Yeah. Okay. So the distorted voice says,
0: "It's time for your mission to begin." What the <laughs> hell, dude? Jan says, "I immediately thought I'd been kidnapped by a UFO." Female companion. <laughs> Female <laughs> companion. Oh Jan God. wakes up again, and now the restraints are off. Huh. So we hear the we hear the distorted voice again, and it says, "We are called Zeta and Zethra." <laughs> She says she had been informed by the aliens, Zeta and Zethra, that she was an alien. She said, my mother was my biological mother, but my father wasn't actually my biological father. I had a father from an alien planet. It was in the middle of a Christmas story that I'd heard every year since I was a child. You know that, you know, Joseph was like my dad. You know, he took care of Jesus, but really the father of Jesus was God, the father. Hmm. We have an important mission for you. Uh, <laughs> let the male companion perform. Oh no, dude. Yeah. Sounds like a conehead. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. I do sound more like a conehead yeah. than the droid. Let the male, let the male companion perform.
1: It's <laughs> so weird. So
0: Jan says the mission was that I was to have a child. The child would then save the alien planet by the time I turn 16.
1: So I, I don't want to confuse anybody. She has to get pregnant by the time she's sixteen. They have to perform to... what okay. is it called in, in coneds They have to perform narflock <laughs> or what a Narf-lack or something. <laughs> Male companion demands narflock. <laughs> so the box said
0: if I couldn't perform the mission, they had a backup plan. That was my sister Susan. Um, that she was also half alien and half human, and that she would be
1: taken if I didn't do this. Hell yeah. Now we're talking my type my territory. Yep. Some human hybrids over here. Yep. Distorted voice. Go to the front of the motorhome. Oh shit. Front of the motorhome. (laughs) There you will meet the male companion. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's Bob. Hey, what's up, Bob? Yep, they're on the couch. What's up, B? B's on the couch. With a little with a little thing in his mouth, like come to the male companion. (laughs) (laughs) Breaker, breaker. (laughs) Perform oral on the
0: companion now. (sighs) You start hearing static from like CB radios in the background. Yeah. Okay. So she sees Bob and she's relieved at this point and he's covered in blood and he wasn't moving. His eyes are closed. She thinks he's dead and she's trying to get him to wake up and she says, you have to wake up. And then Bob tells the story and he says, we were horseback riding and all of a sudden I saw this white light coming out of the sky and the car started to vibrate and move and shake. We must've been taken by this powerful light. And I said... This is Jan. No, we're here. We're here. We're here together, but there's a mission, B. Oh, shit. Yeah. She says, you're safe, but there's a mission. And she says... change the narrative. Well, I'm an alien. (laughs) I'm strange, and I'm not normal, and Jan believes all of this. She says, I was isolated. You know, uh, I had no concept of time. She says, I was drugged a lot. And she says, I specifically remember going through the cupboards of the motorhome, and one of the cupboards had three or four books. I knew that the books were about sex. And then shortly after that, the box said, we think it's time for you to ask the male companion to do what makes people happy.
1: Oh, shit. This is so bad. <laughs> this is so bad. It's so weird. Like, this guy's, like, going to becoming, like, Stanley Kubrick to, like... Oh, say, yeah. He's, he, he thinks he's a genius. It's, uh, yeah, it's Project Blue It's a fake faking an alien invasion. Jesus Christ. So Jan says, I don't remember the violent kind of rape that I've
0: heard other women talk about. She said Birchhold would insert his penis just slightly. Ah, that's. It was just. She says it was always just an inch.
1: That's.
0: Yep. He almost was as concerned that it was an enjoyable experience for me as it was obviously for him. Yeah, thanks for letting me know because I was always asleep, yeah. I guess. <laughs> there was... Like a little tiny fan she saw in the top of the motorhome, and she would fixate on that fan. And she said, I could look at the leaves, and as long as I would look at them, I would tell myself it's going to be okay and I'm gonna get through this. So I guess this I hear this and I immediately say just
1: the tip never ends with just an inch. <sighs> okay. We've all yeah. played just the tip, yeah, and it's never just the tip. Sure. So I remember the first time I said that. I was the same age as the girl though. Right. And it wasn't just a tip. No.
0: Okay. November twentieth, nineteen seventy four. This is day thirty five into the kidnapping. Well, remember Bob's creepy brother
1: Joe? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: The yeah, one's well, like I'm, I'm, he's not the creepy one, by yeah. the way. Well, he is because he just casually accepts <laughs> that my brother's a pedophile. He's I'm like, just, hey, uh, it's his deal. I mean, he's just, a
1: pedophile, dude. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. So Bob, he does seem nonchalant about he's it. He's very nonchalant about it. Yeah.
0: So Bob uh, gets a uh, Bob calls Marianne. And he says, or or excuse me, Creepy Joe calls Bob and says, I want you to call Marianne and get a written permission for Jan and I to come back to the United States and get married because we're married in Mexico, but it isn't legal in the United States. So according to Bob, under Mexican law, you had to be 12 years old. And of course they qualified. He claims he was irate when he finds out that this could happen. So Bob's pissed. And then Marianne says Joe called, and he said they want to come home, but he can't come home unless you give him permission to marry her in the United States. Marianne says permission to marry her? I would never do that. Joe says, well, he can't come back unless you do. He'll be a dead man or spend the rest of his life in prison if he comes back. You have kidnapping charges on it. So Joe... You know, Joe oh, got to do it. I guess Joe says she says absolutely not. We will not. Where are they? And then in my mind, I decided to just get them home. I had the FBI come in and they tapped his phone. He called me and he said, "I'm in Mazatlan, Mexico." So at yeah. this point, the FBI traces the phone call to a hotel in Mazatlan. Now Joe continues. He says, "I thought it'd ruin our relationship. I thought it'd kill me when he come back." Our legal attaché in Mexico was contacted and then he contacted the federales. Now, according to Jan, they are in the motorhome and all of a sudden they rushed to the door, kicked down the door, and they crammed all of them into a small vehicle. And then they're taken to a Mexican prison. So at one point, one of the Mexican police officers leads her down into this lower level, dank, dark, gross place. And what had happened is B had given the guard his gold ring oh, in exchange fuck. in exchange for time to talk to Jan. Now, B says this. He says, Whew, uh, Jan, tell your family that uh, I brought you on vacation and that I made a mistake and I took a little too far. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have told your family, and I didn't have. Yeah, make uh, sure you just
1: you mention just the tip part, too. Yeah, so just and, the tip.
0: And he says, oh, one other thing. Uh, remember that whole Zeta-Zether thing? You can't bring that up at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he says... Uh, I, I'd
1: feel embarrassed about he that. He says,
0: that can't come up. And he said, uh, oh, by the way, don't talk about the, the relaxing pills. He calls them relaxing pills oh, at great. this point. They've,
1: they've moved on. I yeah. Don't have-
0: and he says, you, don't, you can't talk about the tip. Yep. Uh, and uh, you will have no other contact with any other men. Okay. And he says, even your dad, you can't talk to your dad. And if either of us talk about any of these four things, um, well, your sister, Karen's going to go blind. So you really, you really got to button it up when you get home. Um, and then he says, uh, Oh, um, yeah. Susan could also die too. Yeah. Uh, and he says, so just to reiterate, um, no Zeta Zethra, <laughs> no, none of that pill. Um, remember pill your allergy? Talk. Yeah, yeah, you're always sneezing a lot. Yeah, you can't talk about that. Um, what blind was the other sister. thing? Blind, your sister could go blind, and if you talk about any of this, um, you'll get vaporized. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, he says not my fault. That's yeah. just what Zeta and Zethra are telling right, me. Right, right, right. He says you'll get vaporized. <laughs> so she's like, got it. <laughs>
1: yeah, perfect.
0: So Marianne and Bob, they fly to Mazatlan. Hail Zorp. They fly to Mazatlan and bring Jan home. And when she gets home, Jan ain't herself.
1: Yeah. yeah. She has uh, complete shaft energy, not just the tip energy. She's major PSD at this ah. point. Um, she
0: says um, she's pissed at Marianne. Uh, Marianne says, we can't think about B right now. It's you. They'll have to work it out with the FBI. And she's pissed. She says, why did you call the FBI? I was fine. I was fine. I was on vacation with B. Wow. And nothing happened.
1: real Stockholm syndrome.
0: Absolutely. This is Patty Hearst cubed. She says, nothing happened. And, you know, she says, everything's fine. Bob says he recalls tears just running down his cheeks. Says he didn't say anything to Marianne and just thought she's our Jan. And she says, the minute Jan got on that plane, she wouldn't sit by him. Um, she's uh, God. She says they got on the plane, and while on the plane, he looked over at Mary and said, "I don't think our problems are over." So, what's their recourse? The Brobergs send the marriage certificate back to
1: Mexico. Oh God, There's actually a fucking marriage certificate. Yeah, and they this is nuts, dude. They
0: they instruct the whoever wrote the marriage to annul it. And
1: uh, at this point, Bob is arrested in Mexico. Me just imagine, yep. imagine your child had gone through this yep. and you're filling out paperwork for an annulment. In like Mexico. You just, the, and your daughter's 12. This, this is your reality. That's yeah. the craziest thing.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't even bother with a postage stamp. I'm yeah. like, fuck you. It's yeah. Mexico. Um, So Bob gets, you know, uh, sent back and they bring him up on kidnapping charge. He gets indicted. So Marianne takes Jan to a physician and the physician Said this is very important. She said Jans Hyman had Ah, not broken, ah, and ah. he said there were no signs of sexual abuse. So I
1: think we need to realize just the tip. It was just the tip. Saved saved him some uh, yeah some legal recourse, I guess. Jesus. Well, uh,
0: Karen says she couldn't get her to talk about anything, you know, except like her adventures, like parasailing. She said she wouldn't talk about B at all. Um, Bob even shows her a clip, uh, from a kidnapping in the paper and said, that's you. And she's like, that's not true, dad. I wasn't kidnapped. So Marianne says, she seemed fine. We sent her back to school, picked up where she was going. Um, and she was doing fine. She said, we didn't have any real concerns about her. Yeah. It's mother of the year shit. Yeah. 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 So Jan says her thoughts were constantly about B, and Jan is still focused on the mission. (sighs) You know, she says, how am I going to be with him? How am I going to see him? How am I going to, w- I got to see Zeta and Zethra. <laughs> uh, she said she was separating uh, herself emotionally and mentally from her family because she knew that this mission had not been completed. And she said, I knew there was more to come. So <sighs> FBI uh, G-Man Welsh says, I told Marianne and Bob not to talk to Gail Birchtold. Don't let your kids play with the told kids.
1: This is yeah. a serious thing. So that was my next question. is uh, yeah. We haven't really talked much about it. his bees kids. They don't they have, talk about them. They don't have any kids? No, they do. How many? Do we know? Uh, they and, don't say. And we don't know the ages yep. either? No, nope, but they no. just, you know,
0: Welsh says stay away from the entire family. And then, of course, he says they did the opposite. Yeah. So you think this can't get any weirder?
1: Apparently it's going to.
0: It's going to get fucking weirder. Okay, so Marianne says it was on Christmas Eve that Gail came to her door and said, I need to talk to Bob. So the two of them went back to the den and chatted. And Gail came out, went on her way. And Bob says to me, Gail wants us to drop all the charges against her husband. She wants us to sign these affidavits. And all Bob said was, if I don't sign these affidavits, they're going to expose the dirty laundry between me and Burge told, he said, "I was shocked. I yeah. felt terrible, especially for my husband. I just thought, oh no, this can't
1: happen." So they signed the affidavits. Of course, okay. This is like some blackmail ass shit now too. Well, for
0: getting jacked off in a car, yeah, and for maybe getting a boobie touch, yeah, no, a boob, a, yeah, or boob a, touch, booby touch. So these guys, a boob squeeze. These guys signed this affidavit that says, "My daughter was not taken by force or against her will, nor was she held or confined." against her will at any time while in the company of the defendant. I honestly believe there is a strong possibility that the defendant was under the impression he had my husband's and my consent to take my daughter with him when he left in October. Bob continues, I had the right under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution to keep these matters within my family. I feel that the interest of justice and society would not be served by continuing to prosecute this matter. So this is pretty obvious here. Yeah. Bob's thinking, if they find out I'm a carjacker, people aren't going to buy flowers from me. Right, right. (laughs) you know what I mean? He's like, I got to keep my flower business afloat.
1: Nobody needs a a sweaty hand, uh... Yeah. That is, I don't even know where I was going with it's, that. You don't have sweaty, to. Sweaty hands. You don't have
0: to. So Welsh says, here's these people crying about their daughter, and I'm living over there. I'm neglecting my own family. And all of a sudden, they walk in with, oh, we're going to let her go. Let him go. He says, they're covering their own hide and not the kid, which was a sham. According to Marianne, the general public was not happy. Ah. We had lots of phone calls from people who we did not know that said, why would you do that? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong yeah, with what, what you? What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, you're, you, you're not, why are you going to the grocery store? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> the uh. U.S. Fed attorney called us and he was livid. He said, you can't do this and we're still going to have a trial. So, Welsh says, Birchhold was bound over for trial, but I didn't have any witnesses all of a sudden, and the Brobergs basically took the government's case and shit all over it. It Just Ah, stomped on it. Wow. So, now Birchhold's trial is postponed, and he was released on his own recognizance at this point, and moves to Oregon. No, excuse me, Ogden, Utah, to work at his brother Joe's car dealership. Gail stayed behind. Remember old creepy brother Joe? Yep. Hey, come to work for straight me. He came to work for me, and damn, he sold cars out the yin yang. But
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, super fuck. salesman, fuck the best. He I can mean, sell anything can to sell, anybody. He, yeah, he can sell a you jerk. You fucking think? Get you see? Usually, a guy if a guy's good at turning another gay man, like another man. But if
0: you can turn a gay man, no, you man can do man. any straight. You can yeah. do anything.
1: But look, for, usually it's by you jacking them off. He oh, is got that how him, it works? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine I'm yeah. probably more likely to turn gay if a dude was jacking me off, not the other way around. Right, right, right. I guess you're right. Yeah. And so he had, so he got him to jerk him off. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. This is a serious power this guy has. That guy can sell you, I can upgrade your uh, to leather, no problem. Yeah. This guy's a closer. Always be closer. Yeah. That's what that's what it is. Closing. Fucking He's steak knives.
0: Yeah. It's, ugh. Anyway. Pause.
1: I'm going to pause for a little bit.
0: So Mary says he continually comes back to Pocatello. Okay. He's in church every weekend. People were patting him on the back saying, Oh, we're so sorry. We know you've been ill. Apparently that's what they call it. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we hope all this passes and then you can get your life back together. So Bob says we were so kind when he came back home. And even at that point, we weren't aware of just how deeply sick this man was. Yeah. Okay. I guess, Bob. So you think things can't get any weird, Dave?
1: They're gonna get- But weird. wait, there's more! <laughs> <laughs> so <Just> <laughs> scared <laughs> sweeters out.
0: That's all right. So Jan says the first time that I remember actually seeing him after the kidnapping, okay? It was at night. And I was in my bedroom downstairs and something woke me up. Huh?
1: What do you think? A like, finger? Up? No. <laughs> <Okay>. Female companion.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to keep hearing that and saying that all week. He brought
0: work. the female companion box voice into the house. Oh. Female man. companion, I'm downstairs. <laughs>
1: so, um, I, wonder if, I wonder if it's going to work like, a, what do they call it for the dogs? Like that, not the Pavlovian. Pavlov, Pavlov, Pavlov Pavlov's dog? Yeah, Pavlovian. <laughs> symptom of like hearing it and you just you yeah it takes it's you like back. it's,
0: it's manchurian candidate shit it takes you back so jan says birchhold appeared in my bedroom he came in and he would talk about the mission and that the mission was going to continue and that they were going to make plans and preparations for us to be together now i'm assuming this is zeta and zethra yep. who we're making all the plans and she said, I continue. Call Zeta and Zethra. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll tell you that all this is happening. I wonder if Zeta and Zethra are like more like contrivances of the psychiatrist that what's his name saw that was, def- you know.
1: Yeah. I have a feeling he's just like literally on a, on the other side of it. like Right. Common, or it's just, is it him? It's him on the yeah. other side of it. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe
0: pre-recording it. But anyway, so uh, Jan says that she's in communication with Berchtoldt. But they would; she would get notes from him at school. Like he's, somehow he's passing her notes at school, and it would say, "You need to go to the playground or the phone booth uh, uh, at this time, and you'll like, receive further instructions." It's like
1: Inspector Gadget. <laughs>
0: she <laughs> said, <laughs> "I would get letters from B, and it would be a love letter about what he was going through and how much he missed me, and how much he knew we were meant to be together." And my natural response. Uh, Was it kind? And, you know, write love letters back to him and try to figure out how to get them to him.
1: So they're written crayon.
0: Yeah, pretty much. They (laughs) show them. And, you Ah. know, it's, you know, they're a child's letters. Yeah. So they even share one of Jan's notes that Jan wrote to be. And it goes, Did you know that you're a sweetheart? If you didn't, I want you to know that you are. Our love must be great. We've sure gone through a lot for each other. You're Dolly Jan.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Jan says that the shift from I love this man like my father to I love him like a husband is what's going on during this whole time. And according to Marianne, she said, Mom, I miss him so much. I want to marry him. And she was like, well, you want to marry B?" And she's like, yes, I want to marry him. And we want to have children together. So... Jan says, I loved him as deeply as I've ever loved anyone. My level of commitment and love for him was as profound a thing that I've ever experienced in the realm of real love. It was committed. It was in me in every sense of the word. Now, Jan reads a letter from B. Now, she's 13 at the time, and it goes like this. Hi, darling. I awake this morning thinking of you as usual and loving you even more. I remember you and Oliver. And that night you cried when you sang, where is love, especially for me? Remember the song from Oliver, as long as he needs me and the meaning it had in the play? So what is he going to plays with her? Uh, What
1: is this fucking high school play that they went to? The only person that doesn't have a child in the play.
0: (laughs) Please, honey, sing it over and over. And no, I need your love more than anything on this earth. Evil forces would like nothing more than to destroy us and ruin everything. I can do no more than love you every minute of my life. The rest is up to you. Be brave. Do everything right. And don't give up hope. I never will, because through it all, there is you forever be. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. I mean, it's all gross, dude. I don't know what to tell you, doggy. You're like, you're like, could you could have just said, hey, B wrote this creepy letter, yeah, but you have to commit yeah. to it. You have to fucking read the whole goddamn letter. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, it couldn't possibly at this point get any more fucked up, right? Is it? Wrong. Oh it does. So flash forward to the spring of 1975. You gotta give it up. I really committed to the B character sure. there. Yeah. So Marianne says, I heard from him every day. He would call and talk and tell me how much he loved me. This is Bob
1: B. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hitting on Marianne.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: He says, I wanted me as part of his life. He wanted me as part of his life. I kept saying, please tell me, please tell me, why did you marry Jan? Because she's confused. She's like, how can you want to fuck me if you want to fuck my daughter? Yeah. (laughs) But they're actually having this conversation, which is so fucking absurd. Of course. You know, and he said, well, if you will come... And talk with me personally. I'll give you the details about it. So she says, I went down and uh, went over to his motorhome, met him there after he got off work. And we sat and talked. He told me how much he loved me over and over and over. And he kept telling me, we could have a great life together, Marianne. All you need to do is get divorced. Come live with me. And it was not long before after that, that he was holding my hand and he was stroking my my leg uh, and you know he poured his heart out and his soul out i stayed too long in the motor home poured his cock out and oh i stayed too long in the motor home and we engaged in nacking ah <laughs> and kissing and yeah. and then, then well <laughs> he touched her uh, other breast eventually <laughs> eventually got to breast Ah, left, left breast, (laughs) and then sexual intercourse. (laughs) I love my husband, but I betrayed him. Ah, skip the right breast, huh? Yeah, after it happened, I knew that I had crossed the path that I could never go back and undo. It was done. Yeah. Woo! So Bob says about four days or five days after she had gone to Birchold, Birchold called him and told him what happened. And then Bob says, "And that's when the real trouble started in our marriage, and it just got worse." <laughs> I think the real trouble started the day they said "I do" to yeah, each other, yeah, yeah. you know. But they're obviously being a little easy on themselves. So Marianne says, "My sexual affair with B
1: lasted for eight months." <laughs> oh Jesus! Eight months. And while all this is going on, yeah, he's still I would dithering away. I would say yeah, that I was in love with Birchfield. Oh, of course,
0: it was an exciting time for me. So between April of 1975 and March of 1976, Mary Ann saw Birchold 11 times. Hmm. Bob said he knew what he was doing. He said, I knew that it wasn't Mary Ann. I knew it was Jan. So he's getting cocked out of control over yeah. there. And he's just like, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, this yeah, is how it goes. Yeah. So during that period, Birchold visited Jan as well on nine different occasions. Twice they spent the night together alone. Jan says it was all about sex at that point and that all those encounters were just for him. So Bob goes to speak with the bishop once more and the bishop says, Bob, you got to make some decisions because Marianne is on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. So Bob files for divorce. Hmm. So Marianne gets a subpoena. She's got to leave the home and she's just shocked that Bob would do that. Yeah. Bob says, I wasn't about to let him have my children. I took the girls and we went somewhere on that day that I knew she wouldn't be around. So no question, worst day of my life. Personally, me jacking off another guy in a car would be the worst day. You're this right. would probably be the second, yeah, worst, the second day, worst day. But that's me. So there, <laughs> Mary, Mary Ann says she felt like crawling in a hole and burying herself alive. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Um So a couple days go by and Birchhold calls Bob and says, well, you're going to lose your wife and you're going to lose your children. And Bob's just like, fuck this. I'm hanging up on him. He also calls Marianne and says, well, Marianne, if you just leave Bob, I'll find you an apartment. You can have a whole new life down here and you'll be so happy. And she said, I'm not leaving my husband. I'm sorry. He said, well, he doesn't want you. Look what he's done to you. He's kicked you out of the home. I know if you get an attorney and go back and file charges against him, You'll end up with your children because Bob's a homo, <laughs> so, <laughs> and I have the evidence she, right, she, <laughs> right here in this bag. Ye, all you got to do is look at these pants; yeah. they can basically stand up on their own at this point. Uh, so Marriott says that's not true, and then she went to. An so attorney. she
1: hasn't even know she doesn't even know no. yet that that he jacked him off. They well they yeah. didn't say, uh-huh. but I'm assuming he was like yeah,
0: on he, the download. He, yeah, it. Bob's a carjacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Um, so she says to an attorney, I need help. I don't want a divorce. And the attorney says, you got to cut out this cancer. This is not a good man. So Bob says one day he was standing in the kitchen and she opened the door and said, I can't raise these children alone, Bob. And they need you and they need me. And Marianne said, I will get them out of my life. I don't want them in my life any longer. And Bob says they just fell into each other's arms and that was good enough for him. Yeah. So in June of 76, this is 20 minutes, 20 months after the kidnapping, Birch told agrees to a plea deal. Mm. Yeah, you know,
1: he's got to serve time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fucking FBI or somebody's going to, yeah. you can't just because you get the crazy parents' well, approval.
0: He goes to court, pleads guilty to a felony charge of kidnapping. Oof. Judge sentences him to five years and reduced all five years down to 45 days. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep.
1: Uh, How about I mean, those
0: child kidnapping laws in Idaho? Oh uh, bye. Uh so B moved away from Pocatello and um at this point he buys a family fun center, which makes sense.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if you're gonna pedophile oh, yeah. you know, great... you might as well set the perfect bait. Sure. That's so <laughs> just like buying a Chuck E. Cheese or buying a it's what he did.
0: Sets up shop in uh Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Jackson Hole. Yep. That's right. Uh <laughs> Jan finds out about this and she's like, I gotta go. And they're like, "No, you're not going." And she screams and she says, "I'm going to work at B's Family Fun Center." How old is she at this point? I think she's like 14 or 15. Fuck. So Mary Ann says this was 76. She was insistent, an and um, she went on to just become a person that she never become. And she was picking arguments, picking on her sisters, picking on us, just to make their life miserable. Mm. Birchold called and said, "Don't hang up. I want to tell you that Jan's coming to Jackson Hole." She's going to go out and get on the highway and start hiking, hitchhiking, if you don't let her come. And Marianne said, my gosh, I've got to do something. Yeah. So eventually she decides to just
1: put Jan on a plane <laughs> and send her to Jackson Hill, well, she's which boy- technically
0: is doing something.
1: She, she did something. Yeah. She, she's like, well, she's, she's going to do drugs. Might as well do drugs with her. Oh, you mean allergy pills? I'm just saying that, like, you know, it's like the same idea. It's like, okay, well, she's gonna she's gonna leave anyway. Might as well buy her a flight. Yeah,
0: it's the shitty parents that are like,
1: you're gonna get drunk. You might as well do it in my basement. She's not exactly exactly. She's not. uh, She doesn't realize that she's encouraging good bad behavior.
0: Well, Bob says he's livid when he finds out about this and that she's on the airplane, and he says, "Dear, you will regret this someday."
1: Sounds so, like Bob. Sounds like something Bob would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile,
1: Bob's at the YMCA in the steam room, jacking off fucking randos. <laughs> yeah. So Jan it, stayed, I, You know I've kind of uh, <laughs> I've become quite fond of this, actually. Both uh, me jacking men off and men jacking me off. Yeah. Poor Bob. Yeah. Jan stayed in Jackson Hole for
0: two weeks. Ooh. So she is 13 at this point. What did okay. I say? 15? Oof. She's yeah.
1: 13, dude. Dirt Dirty. Jan says... Although getting closer to the uh, marrying age of uh, Utah, probably. Yeah, well, who knows what it was back then? It's probably, yeah. It's probably 16, I guess.
0: Probably. Um, This is 70s. So Jan says the mission had to continue. She says there was more sex. B told me that he and Gil were getting a divorce, and now we could get married. Uh, She says, I'm completely and utterly convinced that I'm in love with B, and I had to be with him. And of course, the background of all of that is we have to finish the mission. So, remember old Creepy Brother Joe? Uh Uh-huh. He's back. Yeah. So, he says, that time I spent up in Jackson Hole with them was just, well, (laughs) I could tell they were happy. (laughs) Happier than Bob had ever been. And I don't know why with a little girl, but I guess that's his deal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I always thought of him as a little boy kind of (laughs) guy. That's just his deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Again, with the women, the little, the young ones, he liked them. He said, Marianne
0: wanted her back and was making a lot of fuss. And she says, I think you better go home. She said, no, if I do, I'd rather kill myself than go back home. So B puts Jan on a plane and sends her to Salt Lake and Marianne picks her up. Marianne says, Jan's pissed. She doesn't want to come home. You know, she wants to go back. Her sister Karen says she had a whole new personality at this point. Jan says it wasn't a personality change, it was a panic. She mm. said, I had the whole weight of the world on my shoulders. I was supposed to save this dying planet, oh, yeah. and the clock's ticking. That's right. I keep so, forgetting
1: about the... Uh, Zeta and Zathra. The, all the, yeah, yeah, she's got Atlas shoulders. Atlas
0: shrugged. Atlas, yeah. <laughs> what is this, Zan Rand? Yeah. So Virgil continues to harass Marianne. Um, he tells her he's going to have, uh, have her no matter what. Uh, he says, I'll take her to the jungles of Africa. I'll take her to South America, and you'll never find it. Marianne says, just leave us alone. Stay out of our lives forever. And according to Marianne, he did not like that because he didn't leave Jan alone. And guess what? Uh, It's time to get kidnapped again.
1: Oh, shit. Second time? (laughs) I don't know if you can call it a kidnapping the second time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you decide. Yeah. Uh, So it's August 10th, 1976. uh, Day one. So Marianne says, Jan had only been home a couple weeks. She's watching TV and everybody else went to bed. And Jan came down the hall and looked at me and said, oh, come on in. Come in and talk to me. Tell me why you're so mad. And Jan's just like, no, back to her room. Um, We went to bed, meaning her and Bob. And uh, the next morning, uh, hollered down. Now, Bob would wake them up by playing the piano. That was his trick. Kids come up, except uh, there's no Jan. Mm. So they find a note. And it says, Dear Bob and Marianne, you won't let me do what's right, so I'll do what's wrong. I'm leaving without B and do not plan on coming back until you accept me as B. I cannot accept your religion or your screwed up morals. I just want to be me and have B. Please, before all of us are destroyed, let me go, Jan. (laughs) Now, Karen, younger sister says, this doesn't sound like Jan. It was like somebody would written the note, Mm -hmm. even though it was in her handwriting. Mm -hmm. So... He called that afternoon and said Jan had called him, told him that she had run away from home and that she would not tell him where she was, and he was worried. So, two or three days went by, and Bob and Marianne decided to tell people that she was with her grandmother. Hmm. You know, why make things messy? Yeah. She's just a grandma's house. It's a good idea.
1: Yeah. They're probably used for many uh, cover ups.
0: They're having a connect for. You know, super yeah. marathon sure. for two weeks. So Marianne says we were so afraid that the world would be out. Uh, excuse me, the word would be out, and um, that people would find out she was kidnapped. We just didn't want that out. Uh, that's how we were. We didn't want the press knowing. Yeah, yeah.
1: I guess I, I mean, <laughs> once you've already lived in this world for so long, it's like, well, I, you've you've accepted it. Now you now you go through denial and then trying to clean it up and then you don't want more people to find out because you know you're doing something wrong because
0: you fucked up and you let this happen twice yeah, yeah.
1: let it, it happen again
0: so welsh says the brobergs waited two weeks before they called him. he said um he at this point contacted uh b and he said b said he's heartbroken that she's disappeared he says you better catch him You Or catch her. You better find her. Somebody's got her. And Welsh is like, I knew he's right in the middle of all this. He's just bullshitting us. Mm. So at this point, Jan's gone for three weeks. And Birchold has to begin his jail sentence. So Welsh said, remember, he was sentenced to 45 days. Says he got some good behavior time and ended up spending 10 days in jail. Ugh. Yeah. So. How do you
1: even discover good, like...
0: How do you... (laughs) How do you find out somebody's
1: doing well, well in 10 days? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's been making his bed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm he seeing hospital corners three yeah, days in a row. He hasn't stabbed or fucked anybody. Yeah. So. Let's
0: drop those 45 days down to 10. Yeah. Um, so he, at this
1: point moved to salt. Lake. Hated to see him go. <laughs> yeah.
0: He was a real hoot in the commissary. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So he heads to Salt Lake to live in his motorhome and disappears. And at this point, the FBI doesn't know where he is or Jan is. So Marianne says, He called me so regularly and cried. Uh, I called Pete Welsh and told him, and he said, Just keep making those calls. So at this point, if I'm Pete, I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, I really don't give a fuck. Yep. Fuck these morons. Yep, yep. You know, I'm just going to give them the pat answer. You're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. So the FBI installed tape recorders on the home inside the Broberg house. So I'm going to read an excerpt from one of those calls. This is between Marianne and B. Marianne, hello, Brobergs. Hi, Marianne. This is Bob. Oh, hello, B.
1: How are you? I like how they still call him B. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <it's>...
0: <laughs> you kidnap and fuck. Yeah. We're just going to call you B. Yeah. Well, not very good. Well, I just got through talking to Jan. Oh, you did. Did she tell you where she was at? No, no, she didn't. I think Jan's done some things she doesn't want to tell me about. Stealing for a living. The prostitution. The selling dope. Marianne. Oh, my goodness. Uh, B, I ask her. I says, honey, how are you getting money?
1: uh. And she says, (laughs) Hard. <laughs> the hardest ways possible.
0: <laughs> it says, oh, dear. Oh, now I won't be able to sleep.
1: It's,
0: it's fucking stupid.
1: So, she's, so he's lying, obviously.
0: Yeah, but who's having kidnap conversations? Just let the FBI... I guess my point is just let the FBI come in and do their job. You know? But, you know, she doesn't want people knowing that she got finger blasted in the fucking... Motorhome, left hit touched. Yeah. I guess. So this keeps going on for months. And they show repeated conversations where Marianne and B are just crying to each other on the phone. Yeah. Because they don't know where where Jane is. Yeah. B at one point says, Well, let me tell you something. (laughs) If you're laying a trap on me, I'll kill you. Yeah. Marianne says, listen, if you're lying to me, I'll have you killed. I have two brothers that would. I never know when I'm when you're leveling with me, when you're not anymore, B. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the last recorded call. B, I just got talking uh, through talking to Jan. I said, do you still want to marry me? She said, oh, yes, B, more than anything else in this world I uh-huh. do. Marianne, do you still want to marry her? Be there will be no no one ever in the world for me but Jan. Yeah. Never. I haven't seen this kid since the 31st of July. I, I still feel exactly the same way as I always did.
1: Yeah. Marianne.
0: Oh, my.
1: <laughs> trying to think of what character you sound like right now. You're turning into.
0: And just the sound of her voice on the phone. Just... Just puts me into orbit.
1: Oh, it's uh yeah. Sarah Palin. Oh,
0: is it Sarah Palin? A little bit. It just puts me into orbit, and I can't take it. <laughs> Imagine having this fucking conversation yeah, with I this mean, fucking bl- creep, bl- and bl- the, and and I'm doing my best to make it sound like this sure. sounded, but it's just how he sounds. It sounds like he's fucking having an orgasm on the phone. Though. Yeah,
1: this is. So, look, man, it never it never stops being weird from the beginning. Just well, that's
0: let's see if it can get weirder.
1: So it's now November 76, 90 days into
0: Jan's second disappearance. Welsh says, it took us quite some time to search all the trailer parts in Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sir, do you have a 14-year-old in there? Uh,
0: but they finally found out where he was.
1: Okay. He says, of
0: course, we didn't knock on the door. We put a surveillance unit on the motorhome 24-7. Uh, two or three weeks into our surveillance, an agent from Salt Lake City knocked on the door. Birch told, let him in and asked if he'd seen jan and he said no we knew that he knew where she was we knew that i mean he was in love with her yeah if he thought there was something wrong with her he'd be looking for her. and right. he had this is weird he had a great great big huge life-size posters of
1: jan inside uh, where do you, how do you even blow shit back up there yeah. was a kinko's oh uh, yeah i mean i may not kinko's but like other things back then probably i'm sure you could do he says
0: yeah. he says it was like a mausoleum like Ugh. a worship area. So like
1: conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that we always go back to that. Yeah, one. that's <laughs> the best like, like a- your favorite shrine <laughs> in any movie. <laughs> it's, it's a the only, conspiracy theory because it's like it's
1: like it's a cra- it's one of the more uh, elaborate ones. Yeah. It's got like a All giant you- picture of her on a horse.
0: All you need to know it was there and there were multiple huge posters <laughs>
1: Oh, my pictures. hold on my favorite my favorite line after is Oh no, that was here when I got here. That's because she sees it and they're in a panic down This is Julia Roberts. This is Julia Roberts. And then she sees it and then they're in a panic because they're trying to get out of there. And he goes, She goes, Why do you have a giant sized picture of me? I was here when I got here. I just <laughs> like the way you could quote a movie that's 25 years yeah, old about I watch it every injuries. once in a while. Okay, maybe anyway, I'll look it sorry. up.
0: Sorry. So uh, one day the phone rings um, at the house and it's Jan. So one of her sisters is crying, begging her to come home. And Marianne says, oh, oh Marianne, don't, 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 don't interrupt. Your dad, he's outside pulling up on the driveway. And Bob gets on. and He says, are you OK? <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird because the voice they use, it must have been Jan's voice. But she sounded like eight. She's like, I'm fine. Huh. Bob's like, oh, are you are you coming home? I had to call and tell you I missed you. I just want to call and tell you I love everyone, okay? Bob, oh, we just love you so much, and we want you to come home. Jan's like, I know. Have you talked to me? Hmm. Not for a couple of weeks. Oh, does he still want to, well, want to marry you and all that? <laughs> and, uh, and all that. Well, I want to marry him, Dad. Does he want to marry you? Yes. So just, uh... All my love, and I'll see you later. Okay, we love you, honey. Bye.
1: <laughs>
0: All the kids. I, I can't believe I'm laughing. At this. All the kids are crying in the background. Yeah, yeah. So November 11th, 1976, second
1: disappearance, day 102. This came up on the anniversary. Oh, have you been keeping the actual dates? It's, today's November 20th. Oh, okay. I'm saying November 11th. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So okay. the
0: surveillance is ongoing in Salt Lake City. And agents at this time observed B walk across the road to a payphone at a gas station in Salt Lake. So he'd gone to the phone booth, made a call, and he was on the phone for like 10 minutes. And when he left the book, he left the phone book wide open, and there was a number written on it. Mm. So
1: Sloppy, sloppy.
0: Mm-hmm. So the FBI traced the number to Pasadena, California. Oh, an old stomping ground of mine. Yep to an old, uh, a Catholic girls' school. Mm. So they call the Catholic girls' school. And the Catholic school said, there's nobody here by that name. Mm. Well, Welsh explains, look, I'm an FBI special agent. You got to dig a little bit more than that. She's probably an under undernatist. And he's right. She was there under the name Jan Tobler. Oh, So flashback to August 1976, the day of the kidnapping. So like three months before. Jan says... When she was kidnapped the second time, she said, I opened the bedroom window. He was there and basically helped me out the window. I got into his Lincoln Continental and we just drove. We drove to California and he enrolled me at an all-girls Catholic boarding school. Well, according to Welsh, she was far enough from Pocatello that we didn't know where she was, but Birchhold was close enough to her that he could visit her on the weekends. So Jan says... B told the nuns that he, that she was his daughter and that he was a CIA agent. Okay. And he said they'd escaped from Lebanon and that Jan's mother had been killed and they would appreciate it if they took good care of Jan because he had to still go, you know, do CIA work. He's like, you got to watch my daughter. Um, So, this would make the nuns feel like they had to protect her, and if anybody came looking for her, they would say, "No, um, that's not who you're looking for." Uh, and apparently, these nuns bought it. So maybe they got lucky that day when somebody called and yeah. said, "Hey, do a little digger deep." And
1: so nuns always are, nuns aren't always uh, the most observant.
0: Well, they don't get out much.
1: Yeah, they don't. They don't really notice. Things like this yeah. all the time.
0: Agents of the FBI uh arrest Bertold the next day um, on, a, on a probation violation. So he's taken to jail, eventually brought back to Pocatello. Ah. Pocatello policeman flew to Pasadena and picked her up. So ah. Jan's forced to get on the plane home. She's fingerprinted and put in jail in Pocatello and then was taken home. So she gets home and immediately just goes to her bedroom and just bypasses the parents. And she ah. says, I was completely gone. She says there was really nothing left of that vivacious, happy, funny girl. She says, the child left. That was gone. Karen so says, oh, go ahead. Was she actually doing, like, sex work at all or no? No. Okay. No, she okay. She had just been telling uh, her parents that she's out on the road, you know, doing all this crap. Meanwhile, right, she's right, just right. in a fucking convent. Yeah,
1: with, uh, yeah, you know, and just being paid for yeah, by Bob, B's, by B.
0: Yeah, B's just trying to make it sound so much worse than it is sure, and sure. act like he's concerned. Mm-hmm.
1: And even, you know, He's in a good Catholic schoolgirl. She's yeah, in a good. The Catholic irony school. of him putting her in a Catholic schoolgirl uh, school home. So much irony.
0: So, anywho, um, Karen says this all is all the, the f- irony. B. We're out of irony. B. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the first time this happened, she was herself. She says the second time it was a totally different experience. Bob says she completely stayed away from me. No hugging. No loving. No talking. She was distant. She was without feelings and our daughter was emotionally gone. Yeah. So she must have been dead
1: inside, dude. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's bad for the girl. Obviously. Jan, so January 24th,
0: 1977, the phone rings and it's one of Bob's employees and he's screaming, Bob, the florist store, it's on fire. Get down here. So the whole family goes out and sees the burning building. And Jan says, we're all standing in the street. And I just remember looking at that burning building and my dad just having his arms around all four of us and saying, let it burn, let it burn. The house, he burnt the house down? No, he burnt the florist shop down. Oh, the floral shop, my dad. Yeah. okay. He said, everything that I want, everything that matters to me is right here in my arms. And Jan says, I remember thinking, this is all my fault. It's burning because
1: of something I did. Oh, man. So
0: Bob's convinced, Birch holds behind it.
1: He says, oh, I don't know why I thought in my head that Bob <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Bob did oh, an inside job. Obviously, because both their names are Bob. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so Bob blew, did not burn down his own floral shop. No,
0: wasn't okay. an inside job. The only inside jobs he performs are inside cars. Ah. Okay, so <laughs> he thinks. <laughs> uh, bazinga. Um, he's convinced it was Birchold. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced at this
1: point, too. Yeah, I think anybody watching (laughs) could go with it. I think arson is not a really big thing when you've uh, kidnapped and finger-banged a child. (laughs)
0: Welsh says, well, I didn't think Bob Broberg's life was ever in danger until his business burned down. He says, the investigation determined that Bob convinced two guys who were in jail with him at the time that... He would each give them a thousand dollars a month if they burned down bob's floral shop and they did and not only that they burned down a whole block of pocatello
1: oh fuck yep so they're like in- accidentally yeah because they're uh, fucking morons but like but was it malicious do you, know? you know, see, know arson's always malicious i don't know but what i mean is but did they Did they were they trying to burn down the rest of the places i, I doubt it but i think i don't know i know it's sort of a moot point but i'm yeah, just curious didn't get into it yeah
0: So, um, they're convicted and sent
1: to prison, uh, but they couldn't pin it on Birchold. Oh man. Except for them. So what? They never squealed. Uh,
0: That's my whole point. You said you connected it, but you can't pin it on him. I don't know.
1: Uh, This this guy is like untouchable. Like, does he, maybe this goes deeper than we know. Does he have a lot of money? I mean, no. Then how does he, I figured like he'd be just bribing people. I mean, I don't know. That's crazy.
0: His lawyers filed a motion to dismiss the charge of first degree kidnapping um and a federal warrant um charging him with impersonan- impersonation of a central intelligence agency agent was filled. <laughs> so God.
1: so who filed the impersonator? The, the feds. The feds said that yeah, Birch, said, Birch Birch Bircham? Birch told. Birch told. Yeah. Birch told they're well, saying that he was he impersonated he being a
0: fed when he went to the Catholic nuns.
1: that's what they're pissed about
0: you don't fuck with them
1: yeah that's right okay Okay, fuck
0: so when he finally goes to court he was acquitted on first degree kidnapping by reason of mental defect wow he beat the arson as well he beat the cia impersonation charge oh my god and he beat both kidnapping charges see this guy might be an asset At this point, (laughs) you're just like, this guy walks through the fucking raindrops. What can he get away with? Yeah. So Wells says, I don't know how many people in this town ask me, how did he get away with it? If the United States attorney would have been on its toes, if the Brobergs would have stood up and admitted they had sexual encounters with him, we could have nipped it by putting him away and forgetting about him. He would have been in there for 20 years to life. So in June of 77, Birchhold was sent to a mental institution. And then, drumroll, roll. He did gets did out did in did 10 days. <laughs> he gets out in six months. <laughs> okay. Yep. Now, at this point, you're probably asking yourself, can this story possibly get any more fucked up? Tell me. And the answer is me. yes, sir. It sure uh, fucking can. So we hear another tape of Birchhold. He says, <laughs> they released me and let me go. A psychiatrist told me what my problem was. He showed me why I had this fixation for Jan. I had been raised on an isolated ranch in Wyoming by my stepfather.
1: Hmm.
0: I wasn't part of the family. I slept in the bunkhouse. I was sexually abused by the help when my mom got sick and left home, so I took care of my younger sister." And as long as I was taking care of her, I was part of the family. This stuck with me later on in life when I was having problems and I needed to take care of a little girl.
1: Ah, that's where the imprint came from. Yeah, it makes total sense, right? Yeah.
0: So it's June of 1978, 18 months after Jan returns home. Okay. Okay. She's. It's a year and a half
1: later. She's got to be almost 16 at this point. She's getting older. Tits are coming in. You're probably not Uh, even attracted to her. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, she's aging out. Yeah, she's getting too old.
0: (laughs) Fuck. So (laughs) Jan says the mission still hasn't been completed. There was still some communication with him. Not as much. She says he was losing interest. I was getting older. I just turned 16. I had some of the experiences that I needed in order to question the existence of, well, aliens. Yeah. I wanted to go on this five week drama camp to Brigham Young. And Marianne said, Oh, I think it's too scary. Should we send her down there? But we decided it's okay. It's time. I like the way they're concerned about like her going to drama yeah, camp. But nothing say, else. Nothing
1: gonna, fucking else ever scared them. Well, I mean, they're just, they're worried she's going to go get the horseback riding. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah.
0: any Birch Told related trip. Never, yeah. ever concerned them. I know. But now a year and a half later, they're worried about drama camp. Yeah. So Jan meets a boy in the drama camp, and you know she, he's fallen for her and he buys her an ice cream cone. And she says, at this point, I thought something was going to happen horribly. She says, I ran back to my dorm and called and said, Mom, is everything okay? And Mom said, the dogs are having a bad day. I think I fell, fed them something bad. So according to Marianne, Jan starts freaking out. she says, I've got to come home. I got to come home. I shouldn't be here. I got to go save these dogs. Whew. Jan says, she cried. She said, it's all her fault. She said, I went to sleep. And in the morning, mom called and said, I just want to call and let you know that the dogs are doing fine. At that moment, I had a three-second thought. The dogs are fine. Susan's still home. Karen's not blind. Dad isn't dead. And all these people still watching me, are they real? And then literally the next thought, that came to me was, just kidding. I know you're real.
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> just to make sure.
0: Yeah. And then she says, my birthday is happening. My 16th, I'm still in a panic and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm not pregnant, I'm going to go get a gun. I'm going to tell Susan about the mission. And if she doesn't want to take my place, then I'm going to kill her. And then I'm going to kill myself. Ah, She says, my birthday was on July 31st. The next day I woke up, everything's normal. Everything's fine. Everybody's still here and everybody was alive. And just so many different feelings and emotions that she had and realized that nothing she'd been experiencing was real. And she said, I had to tell somebody, but I didn't know who to tell. So ultimately, I told my best friend, Carolyn, and my sister, Karen. So Karen says, You got to tell mom. You got to call dad. So Marianne says, She started relating all these things. And I sat there and thought, Is this real? Wow, yeah. Is she really believing this? And she says, the little girl went to pieces. She just sobbed and sobbed. And it took at least two hours to tell us, you know, like 15 to 20 minutes of what we needed to hear. Yeah. I'm like, bitch. Yeah. Who gives a fuck how long it takes for her to get something out? What are you inconvenienced by this fucking story? While you were being the shittiest fucking parent in the history of parenting? You You're like, know. hey, can you get to the fucking story already? I've got I've got a, somebody, a neighbor, that wants to fucking finger bang me yeah. in the den, and you're bothering me with a two hour story about Zeta and Zethra when my husband could be getting. Jerked off by, by the new weird neighbor? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah.
1: You interrupted breast time.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it was left breast re- today right. or right is breast.
1: It, you inter- <laughs> He was between the left breast and the right breast. You know how hard it is to stop in between breast oh touches? God. It's impossible. I just have
0: to read that line again. She just sobbed and sobbed. And it took her at least two hours to tell us about, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of what we needed to hear.
1: Jesus. All right. This bitch isn't getting to the point. Jesus, oh, guys. God. So, oh, God. that's so dirty.
0: Jan recalls, she said, if I were to count up the number of times that Birchall tried to engage in sexual uh, behaviors with me, between the two kidnappings, in between and after, it would have been more than 200 times. So flash forward 28 years later. Jan and her mother wrote a book Called Stolen Innocence, describing oh. this whole ordeal. Interesting. Marion began writing the book in the 90s and finished in 2003. So uh, it gets published and they start going to different speaking events. So uh, they're on a book tour.
1: Guess, Guess who, shows who shows up? <laughs> Guess who? With, uh,
0: clean, with clean hands. Birchold pops up and uh, he's showing up at their
1: events. Every one of them? Uh, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. So
1: this is like a Tiffany fan.
0: Birchhold gets on the news and says, if you let these pe- people speak, they're telling a lie. This book is not true. Oh. So he's in an interview. He manages to get some t- television time. He says, oh, I was running a
1: counter campaign. huh?"
0: Oh, he's got the time. He says on, this is some interview at local news station. He says, I think it's a pack of lies. She brings in to hide the fact that Jan went with me voluntarily. They bring in aliens and mind washing. It wasn't true. <laughs> And uh, he threatens them. He says, if you don't shut this book down or get rid of your book, I'm going to make your life as miserable as possible. So Mary Ann says, B, canvass the entire city of Pocatello distributing flyers that contain false statements and libelous information, information that Birch told was given total access to the Bro- Broberg's daughter in exchange for sexual favors with her parents. So she, he's running around flyers yeah. saying... Hey, hey, carjack. Yeah, carjack and fucking titties yeah, in the t- uh, the motorhome. It was yeah. a deal. Hike it, titty. We 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 had an agreement that I could diddle
1: if yeah. I did them. You wrote an affidavit. You signed a <laughs> an official government document. Yeah, but this is this is libelous. What but he's this, saying here. What do you mean? Because the affidavit didn't say any of this stuff. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, like in general, these people, like in general, I, like these you've. You've let it come to this point.
0: Well, yeah, this is all true. Yeah. The whole point is it's still libelous at the same time. I see. Because he's printing it out and posting it.
1: Ah. So. Um, but is it only libelous if it's, I mean, I guess if they're not, they're writing a book, wouldn't they be considered like famous people at that point? And then. Yeah, but it could still be libelous. But like if you, if, it's, if you think it's true or it is true, then it's not libel. All you have to do is prove defamation and then it's libel well but then the way you prove defamation would be like uh, to say if, it's not true if you're saying things that are not true that you know are not true but you're saying them maliciously like, to prove that's pretty fucking hard
0: it's very easy to prove that in my
1: mind that uh, all they have to do is deny it none of this was recorded in anywhere in court in the affidavits Oh, no I okay okay that's fine I I understand that but I'm just saying like the affidavit part is separate from what I'm saying yeah but yeah like if if they think it's liable then I guess it is but I just I thought that it would be since these yeah. people are like sort of pseudo famous now at this point
0: well they take another route
1: okay okay Jan goes to court
0: and files a stalking injunction and and she has to go to court because uh he contested it so <laughs> She says, I think he actually wanted
1: to just see me. That's why he contested it. Yeah, because he's a fucking creep.
0: So they show the actual courtroom footage tapes. And this is the exchange that goes down before them. They're right next to each other, like defendant, plaintiff, right across Damn. from each other. And Jan says, Mr. Burchold has remained a threat. Endangered danger to me and my family. It is a constant and continuous concern that has escalated in recent months. Now, he's not being uh, uh, lawyered up. He's representing himself. Ah. So he says, oh, you know this is uh, quite a story. And you've sold a lot of books because of the story, right? Jan says, we've sold a few books, not enough to make back the investment that we paid to publish the story. Birchhold: Okay, you told ABC News that you were going to make a movie, is that correct?
1: <laughs> Jan: Can I
0: be in your movie? I <laughs> I, I I I could be a fluffer. Yeah, oh, <laughs> uh-huh. He says, I didn't tell a, or Jan says, I didn't tell ABC News that. I told them that there might be offers for that. It could happen. I don't know. Birchhold: Is that your goal? Jan: My goal, Mr. Birchold, is to educate the public about predators like you. That is my goal, Birchold. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay, I'm just gonna burn down the.
0: I hope you do see. I hope you do. I cannot believe that you can look me in the eye. You have no soul, Jan. I'm sorry that uh, you feel that way, and I would like to publicly apologize to you for the hurt that I have given you. <laughs> Jan says, if you want to apologize, then you should stand up, tell the truth, and serve your time in jail, Mr. Birchhold. So Jan gets her injunction, and not for the customary three years, but for the remainder of his life. Oh, so fuck. B-bombed his ass off
1: oh. in, in court.
0: So... Then we hear of a news report. Uh, it goes like this: an unusual confrontation this weekend in southern Utah. A woman speaks about being abused as a child. When her accused kidnapper reportedly shows up and starts a clash with her biker security force. What the fuck? Jan Broberg felt the speaker at a woman's conference at Dixie College protected today by BACA bikers against child abuse. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't the Hell's Angels? No, these guys are great. I've seen these guys I'm sure. before. So BACA members were outside the event when a man named Robert Birchold is accused of driving up and making threats. Now they interview uh-huh. a biker. He says, the perpetrator ran over uh, to one of our BACA members and then uh, proceeded to drive off. <laughs> one of the teamsters. <laughs> Creepy Joe pops in. Remember Ooh. him? Creepy Joe's back and he says, one of the bikers recognized him and says, that's Burchold. Let's get him. <laughs> and they jumped on the hood of his Dodge van. Oh, God. And they jumped on the front of... Uh, where he uh, was hold they jumped on the front, and he was holding on to the windshield wipers. <laughs> so he sped up and then stopped fast, and the guy flew off and got hurt. So they called the cops. Bob had a gun on him. Okay. So Birchhold was arrested and charged with three felonies and two misdemeanors. So the jury finds him guilty uh, of possession of a fireman, a firearm by a restricted person, and he's also guilty for aggravated assault. So. Creepy brother Joe. He weighs in one last time. So Baba got to court that day and been found guilty. And then says, you got to come back next week and we'll sentence you. And he says, if it's one day in prison, it's going to kill me. I'm not going there. He had taken all his heart medicine, drank Kahlua and milk. Uh, <laughs> so he drank that and he died committed suicide. <laughs> oh, shit.
1: So what did he, how did he do did He went
0: out on a white Russian. Sleeping pills? <laughs> well, white Russian with sleeping pills, apparently. Yeah. So Jan says, when I first heard that he killed himself, I just felt a number of emotions. I cried, and I felt completely sorry for all the people and his actions that uh, had been affected. At uh, this point, they find six women were sexually assaulted and abused as little girls by Birchtold. mm um, he was actually found guilty of rape of a child in uh, the case of one of those girls and spent one year in jail. One year. Fuck. That's insane. So...
1: Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, that's just...
0: So at this point, Jan is asked by uh, someone off camera uh, if she's forgiven B, And she says, Forgiveness is a tricky word. Uh, in my mind, not forgiving somebody only puts up the jail cell kind of around you. I figured out that I can live with my tragedy in a way that the tragedy doesn't run me anymore. It's taken something to get there. The way I came to forgive my parents was by helping them to forgive themselves. Yes, they made mistakes, but it's one thing to make a mistake kind of as two innocent people. It's another thing to make a mistake when somebody's orchestrating you and playing your emotions and feelings. Yeah, I think it's the hardest for my dad he gets so <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> no pun intended. Oh my god. No she really pun- got that one in there. <laughs> yeah. He gets so angry because he felt so stupid like why didn't I see it, you know? Uh dads are supposed to protect their little girls. I said he was a master. Uh, he was just a master manipulator. So Karen says uh, B had worked on her mother for years. She was good at just creating that kind of smokescreen um, so he could do anything he wanted with Jan. Younger sister Susan says it would have been different if Jan hadn't been kidnapped. I'm certain, but I didn't feel cheated out of my childhood. I'm incredibly lucky. I'm blessed with those parents of mine and my sisters. And Bob finally says... I think we did a few things right among the mistakes. I don't know how we. Can yeah, not say many. That, literally, literally, which one? a few. Which no, no, no which one? I yeah, can't count yeah, one. Yeah,
1: you fed them. They seem like they're <laughs> well fed. Probably, um, they had a, a roof over their their head. Uh, kind of. I mean, with but- a rapist inside of it. <laughs> Seriously, tell me one good thing this fucking guy did. Look, man, paid the electricity bill. All right. Look, man. I mean. It's Iowa and Idaho in the seventies, dude.
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, he says we love Jan, and that made the difference. I guess that's the bottom line because it's such a bizarre
1: thing. <laughs>
0: but we lived it. <laughs> yeah, it's the word, all these true. words,
1: these words that they're using, they're just they're they are using they are just they they do not hit hard enough. Bizarre mm-hmm. is like level one bullshit. Yeah. Like we need House of a Thousand Corpses style. Carjacking isn't bizarre. No, no, it's that's... fucking nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, it's not that crazy. What but, are
0: you talking about? He's married with kids. Yeah. His, da- his daughter's fucking being creeped out by a guy, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to jack a guy off in a car?
1: <laughs> okay, look... That's not that, bizarre. That's fucking nuts. Look, the, the actual part of the jacking off in the car isn't yeah. that crazy. It's the reason why it happened is... Sort of. Even so more you crazy. jack guys off in cars, apparently. No, but what I'm saying is that that's not that big. Like I've seen guys. We all I, have. We've all, like every casino right now. If you go to any casino, there's somebody jacking somebody off in a parking lot. Of course. Right now. Yeah, somebody needs money to get back to the table. Exactly yeah yeah i'm just saying i've I've seen plenty of what's in
0: it for him that's the whole point he's just like oh i need some relief
1: that's what i'm saying like he literally jacked off another dude because he said oh i need relief because he felt like he he felt bad like he thought that it was helping his mental situation in the sense that like he was trying to cope with his all this bullshit happening with his daughter but at this
0: point he didn't even know his daughter was getting diddled
1: Oh fuck! That makes it so much worse.
0: That's what I'm saying. So find me one thing he did <laughs> Dan, Dan, that wasn't about that. that was a right thing.
1: And maybe the fruit basket. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. I uh, call back. All right. So Mary says, "I have always said that if it hadn't been for me, that wouldn't have happened." Well, you're right. Um, she says, "I felt responsible. You should be seeing the hurt that came to her." And has been upon her through all these years because I allowed that man to come into my home. I know my husband feels that way, but I don't think I can ever really forgive myself for letting that happen. Thank uh, God. Good. And thank good. God for that. Yeah.
1: And I'm glad. Yeah, people need people need more shame in their lives. Yeah. It, it's not there's nothing wrong with a little bit of shame. And a lot of it in this situation. You need a lot of shame in this yeah, situation.
0: Yeah, at least she owns it.
1: Yeah. And like, yeah. And it's important obviously now, all these years later, to like go back and reflect on how stupid you were. But it's important to, uh, you know, help you move past and don't let it ruin the rest of your life. Well, lastly, Jan says, you know, it's ironic that the one person that
0: I would most like to forget about and never have passed through my mind ever again is probably the person that I think about every day. Oh, boy. Don't That's tell me it's B. That's fucking rough. Who do you think? Of <laughs> course it's fucking B. B. That's insane. Yeah. Um. <laughs> here's the thing. I love a good documentary that gets me fired up. Obviously, you could tell I'm a little passionate towards the end of the show. Sure. That's what great great work does.
1: Now, at the same time, I was just carjacked in a little while ago. So, <laughs> you know, it brings back some memories. At
0: the same time, people lose sight of a great work and get angry at the subject and can't separate themselves from the subject and the work they're watching. Like so, Cosby. pretty much or michael jackson for that matter. michael jackson you know um but i was reading a bunch of the imdb reviews and they were like turn it off or it's four stars they're too stupid they're too fucking dumb well that doesn't that that's true but that doesn't change the fact that what you're watching is a well-crafted fucking film so it's a four. i mean this is one of my favorite
1: documentaries i've ever seen oh really oh okay so here we go like uh how was it produced? Was it well produced? And Extremely well, well made. Well made. Yep. And it's a qu- quick 90-minute ride. No cheesy. Uh, was it now have a question? Yeah. A lot of these uh recordings that they mm-hmm. have, are they just reenactments of the of the of the of the what well, are there actual recordings of them or is it reenactments of the script? It's reenactments of the script. Okay.
0: So you hear uh their voices on the, on some of these recorded things. And then of course um, they do have actual footage that they had, you know, that were like Jan's photographs. Yep. That's a little disturbing to watch yeah. at the beginning because they do show that. And is she's in some awkward poses. Ah. Um, But obviously that was a directorial decision. Sure. Just decided to show this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. You need you need emotion. Mm-hmm. You like, I mean, I think the problem is people can't separate themselves when they're watching this because the subject matter is so disgusting. Yeah. And they just are doing what I'm doing you know right now saying you you know you're fucking morons how could you how dare you yeah and i think that gets that's why people got lost and said this is crap it's it's not it's a great film but you need to remember that you're a fly on the wall and you're watching it and this isn't real life right now right right right. you need to you need to separate
1: oh yeah it took place before my birthday i didn't realize that uh yeah i I didn't realize that uh, you know that life existed before 1986.
0: And there is some good, I will say. Um, Jan is an actress. She has a very, very solid career in Hollywood. Nice. Yeah. Working actor. Uh, actress. Works extensively. Nice. Um, so that's a wrap um, for uh, Abducted in Plain Sight. It's a must watch. Please watch it. If How many you, dockings? I, don't, I already told you. It's before, four. Do, four dockings. It's a, it's a great, great film. Um, if you like the show... Nothing helps us more than what, Dave? The reviews. They're on what? Uh, iTunes. Yeah, iTunes. They own the, own the game. So yes. give us a five-star um, on Apple, Podcasts. Uh, Apple Pods or whatever podcast uh, catcher you're listening to. Yeah. Uh, but it does help us. And guys we answer all of our DMs at Down on the Docs Pod on uh, both Instagram and Twitter, Twitter. and of course Discord. And Discord. And if you need that Discord link, it's in our LinkedIn bio on the Instagram. Yeah, and you'll find Twitter.
1: it on every single episode of Down on the Docks. Yep.
0: And then uh, lastly, uh you can always email us down on the docs pod at gmail.com. So uh, we will see you next week with another exciting episode. And thank you for taking the time to tune in.